Hey guys, and welcome back to the podcast, Investing Should Be Easy. I'm your host, Alex Richwagon. Last week, we actually, two weeks ago, we recorded an episode around interviewing an early investor. Well, guess what? We didn't scare him off. This is uh, Landon's back. Say hi, Landon. I'm back. That was a very anticlimactic, and uh, I'm back. Can we get something else? I'm back. All right, well, he's trying to do Michael Jordan, I'm back. So anyways, this is going to be part two of the series of at least five parts of interviewing an early investor. Again, I'm Alex Richwagon, host of the podcast, author of a few books, Investing Should Be Easy, most notably, and a few others that can all be found on Amazon.com. Any questions, comments, feel free to send us an email at alex.richwagon at gmail.com. That's alex.richwagon at gmail.com. So in last week's, our last episode with Landon, we talked about um, why investing, why it matters, getting started, where to invest, and uh, some of Landon's feedback fresh off reading um, Investing Should Be Easy. So tonight, we're going to go another layer down. So how do you start? What's the investment process look like? Um, diversification, and what's just a good starting point overall. Um, So that's the show. We're going to get started in three, two, one, cue the music. Investing should be All right, guys, welcome back, and uh, welcome back, Landon. We've got Landon in the, in the uh, studio here tonight. He, uh, we've gotten two words out of him so far, and they've been, I'm back, but we'll get more words out of him as we go forward. So, Landon, uh, so you've opened up an account with Fidelity, right? Yep. And how's that process going? It's bad, pretty bad. Tell me why it's bad. So, I don't have a credit card, I don't have any credit history, and they couldn't verify my identity. Yep. So they're saying some of the problems might be I'm too young or I don't have any credit history or haven't made any payments or anything. All right. So let's break that down a little bit. In the investment world, there is a, um, a thing called Know Your Customer, uh, KYC. And Know Your Customer has um, anti-money laundering, has making sure that there's not... Um, you know, a terrorist or somebody, somebody that's corrupt that are trying to do something illegal. Well, these might seem like a little extreme for somebody like yourself that's like, I'm just a brand new investor, I'm trying to get started. But if you haven't had a credit card, you don't have any history, and you're kind of just a new person on the radar in the world, they don't know if you're you versus somebody that's pretending to be you in another universe. So it's really to protect them, protect your identity, um, so those are kind of some of the reasons of why these things happen, in my opinion. When I, when I started my first account, I had established credit by the time I was 16 years old. Like my parents gave me a credit card to pay for gas for my car, um, really simple expenses. And then over time, you know, they would pay it off, but it would be in my name. So I was establishing credit as I go. But I could see how that'd be really frustrating, though. Yeah. So... Um, so right now you're just kind of in the midst of trying to establish the account. Um, I don't think you'd have this issue if you had um, a long-standing credit or maybe a checking account or something else for more than a couple of years. But those are just my guesses, knowing 
um, a little bit how the in, in industry works and having worked in um, clearing a little bit. So those are my thoughts. But I think you know, keep with it, and I think you'll you'll be just fine in a, in a couple days. Okay. All right. So last week we talked about why investing and and getting started, where to start. Um, any any thoughts? Any questions? Anything that's lingering since last week? Um. So the account is basically open, but yep. now once you get to the account, what do you do? How do you actually start to invest money? So the first thing you need to do is you need to get your bank account set up, and I know you've got that, and then go ahead and upload money to the account. Um, that would be the first thing. So you've established a brokerage. We've got a bank account linked to the brokerage. And also one of the things we talked about is I would link it and say, hey, I want to invest $50 a month going forward. Whatever you can, you know, whatever you want your investment affordability to look like. So um, that would take it from the money I put into Fidelity or would it take it from my bank account? Take it from your bank account and put it into your brokerage account. And from there, it then sits... Then it will automatically invest? No. No, you have to actually do the trading. Okay. So then from there, um, some of the positions that we've talked about you're going to go ahead and put those into, you know, grab a button that's called trade. You'll look up, you'll find the stock symbol, and then you'll invest in the um, dollar amount that you want to invest. Okay, now, do I have to buy how much the stock is worth mm-hmm. first? Yep. And then after that, I'm allowed to put in however much I want? Well, you you want to do is establish an ongoing to keep building on the account over time. Because one of the biggest things that, you know, I kind of talked in the book to take a step backwards is to pay yourself, um, you know, most people over their life, they pay a cell phone bill, they pay a mortgage, they pay a credit card bill, they pay, buy new shoes. When do you actually pay yourself, pay into account and say, you know what, I gotta pay myself at least this amount of money per month because what's the goal? Um, retire early, buy a nice house, um, travel the world, whatever your goals are. Um, this is why we set that up. But again, taking a step backwards, it's, to build upon the wealth and continually invest it. That way, the wealth builds on top of itself with capital appreciation, dividends, um, and lets it grow long term. Okay, so I'm going to buy one stock at a time. We can. So right now, um, we're going to start off with a couple base positions that we talked about in the fort. Do you remember the fort from the book? No, I do not. So, fort stands for like protect your fort, protect your house, and then kind of go outside the fort. And I'll give you why the, I you know came up with this analogy of the fort. So in the early goings when you're an investor, you really want to establish confidence and in the market itself, um, confidence in what you're doing. And the fort can really help you do that. And so what is the fort? The fort is, I would call a collection of exchange traded funds, ETFs or mutual funds, I'd say in the neighborhood of three to five is probably a good measure. And you're gonna want um, a small cap, a large cap, a mid cap, and possibly even a sector. But what that does is it gives you exposure to a lot of different companies, hundreds of companies, and investing into just small investments, which diversifies your risk and keeps your the ability to lose money at a much smaller scale, much, much lower risk along the way. So that's what I said, lower risk, build confidence, 
and start off with a broad amount of investments by using ETFs as a vehicle. Okay, so say I have the for all the fort set up. Yep. I have these companies that are safe, but at ETFs. The same, ETFs. Yep. That still at the same time go outside of fort and make some money. Now I constantly hear stories about oh I invested a hundred dollars into Apple and it absolutely blew up. Yep. So is there going to be any room to invest fifty dollars into a random, basically almost random startup company for the chance for it to ex- explode? So yes. Um, again, these are just some of the teachings that I got in order to, because what you don't want to have happen. While that's a great story of success, there are a number of stories like um, like Kodak, for example. Kodak went bankrupt. There are co- lots of companies out there that went bankrupt. We talked about the dot com bubble in previous conversations around companies that went public and then all of a sudden they went worthless. I'll give you another example that I was recently reading about. So you know what Crocs are, right? Mm-hmm. What's what? What are Crocs? Open toed shoes. Okay, fair enough. And they've got little holes, um, breathability, pretty comfortable. Mm-hmm. So when Crocs originally came in the market in two thousand seven, two thousand eight. Crocs um, was trading around $70 a share. Well, they didn't have the right business model, so to say, right management team. Went down to a dollar. That's a pretty significant drop. So even if you had $1,000 in shares, went down to a dollar. You pretty much lost all your money. Mm -hmm. That's why diversification comes in handy. And if that was your first investment you ever used... You might get a little scared. You might mm-hmm. say, what am I getting myself into? Um, which might scare you off, which is not what I kind of, my philosophy of investing is a long-term journey. And you build your fort in order to ability to take shots and to take risk, if you will, and go to your example. That's why there's the balance. And the balance is very important for how much risk you're willing to accept, if you will. If you say, I want to accept a lot of risk because I'm really young. I've got 40, 50 years of working power that I can, if I lose my money, I can always earn more money in the future. Maybe you want to take a lot of risk. That's okay. That's a, that's acceptable. So then maybe when you have your fort at 10%, 20% of your portfolio. So if you've got $10,000, set aside 1000 or 2000 for the ETFs and then go and grab a collection of stocks that you and I have talked about. Um, Again, these are just mine. We have a good relationship. But if you want to do your own analysis, you want to pick your own stock, or it's a stock that you like. Maybe there's a stock out there that invests in green energy, or they've got uh, women CEOs. Sorry, um, Landon has a very important phone call coming in that we're going to have to, you know, make sure the phone gets muted. (laughs) That's okay. It happens. But, um... Going back to the point, though, yes, we want to establish a position as our base and our risk adverse and our safety net. After that, and we say, okay, what does that safety look for you? It could be 10 20%. After that, let's then go out and look for some more risky investments that have bigger upside because more risk equals more upside. Okay. So now, I said a lot of things. So let's, let's get some so feedback So that's going to be, when you said the 10 to 20% in ETFs now, is that going to be... 10 years down the long line? Is that going to be like five years? Or how long is that going to be? So it's up to you. 
but I can give you kind of rule of thumb and investment strategy. Rule of thumb is as you get older, you should have more safety because your working power diminishes and if you, you're getting close to retirement. So you're um, you know, 20, I'm almost 40, so I'm 38. My risk, it, I'm gonna be a little more risk adverse than you are because I don't wanna take the chance of losing $10,000 or $1,000 as much as you might take that risk. But in reality, I still take a healthy amount of risk in my portfolios with a good amount of aggressive investments, but also backing it up with you know, maybe 30% of my portfolio is in the fort, 40% is in safe kind of um, investments that really don't have a significant chance of going down. And um, not to get too, too technical, but the way that they measure that in the marketplace is called beta. And the, the measure of beta is um, 1.0. So if just take that with a grain of salt, if we look up in finance.yahoo um, or google.com, you look up the ratios and look up beta. And if it's under one, it's traditionally less risky. It's over one, it's more risky. Easy, it's an easy enough kind of gauge to give you some information. Does that, does that help? Yes and no. Okay. So right now, I don't really want to do much. I want to slowly learn how to do it. And so yes. right now, I don't want to do much. So with me not wanting to do much to the money I'm going to put in there, is that going to be more on the safe side or is that going to be on the riskier side? I think you want to go on the safety side because, again, we want to build your confidence um, and trusting into the strategy of investing from a long-term standpoint. So I think safe is better up front. And then when you're ready, you're like, okay, I've been doing this for six months, a year, whatever. At that point, let's start making the portfolio a little more sophisticated with some different uh, risky investments, if you will. Okay. Now, and with me being as safe as possible now, I would still like to basically invest $50 or some some small amount of money into a company, buy yep. just a stock, yep. and just leave it there. So if the company fails, well, then it's only $50. But if it explodes, then I'm going to get more money and et cetera. Would that be a good idea to put aside like, Fifty dollars a month. If I'm putting in, like four hundred, um, we could we could do something like that. I think we start off with the base portfolio of some ETFs. Um, there's a few that we've talked about, and um, we should probably we should get into that a little bit, like what those are, um, why those investments, what they look like, what they what what kind of stocks are involved in there. But um, yeah, I think certainly starting off with portfolio of you know five to ten investments is a good starting point and then we can grow into it even further okay so always remember your starting portfolio is not your ending portfolio okay so how would you select the safer etfs or companies to be able to branch out and do whatever you want so starting up right now i want something safe how do i pick those so um, within Fidelity's research, and you can go into, we can actually look into some of their, their research right here. Um, so right now we're online, and let me kind of show you real quick of, oh, I clicked on the wrong thing, so let's try it again. News and research, so if I go into ETFs on their research tab, and I just want to start looking at the market overall. So right now you pull up ETFs in the research, and right off the bat, you can look at sectors, fixed income, you look at a whole bunch of different things. There's all kinds of different areas that you can look in here. 
So if I go into maybe like a tracker, explore, um, expert strategies here, let's go into, let's go into fidelity as a sector. So I don't want to log into mine. So yours, um, I'm not going to give away your username and password for obvious reasons. Two. All right, so Landon, we've logged into Fidelity at this point in time, and we want to look at um, what ETS we should be looking for, right? Yeah. All right, so log in Fidelity, I went to News and Research, and then I went to ETFs, and then I went to the screener and found um, iShares Core ETFs. Um, you ever heard of the word iShares? No. So iShares is a product that is created by um, a conglomerate called BlackRock. So BlackRock, for basic terms, they're a company that they've got a bunch of people that sit around and create um, mimics of indexes and index like the S&P, the Dow Jones 30, um, Dow Jones Industrial 30, they, uh, the NASDAQ. They just make mimics of all these different indexes and then put them together in a really low-cost way for you and me to buy them. Um, the products are safe. They're great to use. Um, Fidelity sponsors them, but it's just one of the preferred um, ways to invest into the markets that Fidelity provides. Easy enough? Yeah. Okay. So I went into the basic themes of the ETFs, and now we want to look at what type of investments we want to look for. So in order to have a good diversification of your portfolio to start out with, we want to get a small cap ETF, a mid cap ETF, and a large cap ETF. You might ask, well, why? Well, there are really large companies like Apple. There are mid-sized companies that have been around for a while but don't grow as big or not as valuable like, um, I don't know what's a good mid cap. I don't know. I think McDonald's might be a mid cap. I'm not sure. I have to look. Um, and then small cap would be um, just companies that are just getting started that haven't grown to that level yet. So we want to have like a good mix, which gives you some risk, but more reward, and then gives you balance between the three areas in the stock market. So okay. Far. So would you have more than one company in each sector? More than one ETF. More than one ETF in each small made cap? I, I don't think it's necessary. I think um, if you're going to use like large cap value or um, large cap growth. Let's just pick one because it has hundreds of stocks. And what you don't want to do is end up owning the entire stock market. Because then if you're going to do that, just go get the S&P 500. You know what I mean? It, it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense because you could just be that investor um, from an index standpoint. So now that we're in the basics, the ones that I've targeted before, and we're going to talk to like why. So one that I like a lot, which is like a what I call is a core foundational ETF that I've talked about in the podcast um, before our show is um, it's called DGRO. And what that is, is it's iShares core dividend growth ETF. And what that's made up of is companies that actively grow their dividend. They grow at a very steady pace. So you know what you're getting. You know you're getting things like um, Johnson & Johnson, ExxonMobil, Procter & Gamble, the companies that have a very significant market cap. They've been around business for 10, 20, 50 years. They grow their dividend. They know exactly what they're doing. And they reward their shareholders consistently over a period of time. And they've got this collection of stocks that 
they're all made up of dividend-paying large-cap stocks. It's a really safe way to get involved in the market that is very unlikely to get burned, to get hurt by it. Um, it's something that um, I remember when I first started out with T. Rowe Price, I had a, um, a fund called Capital Depreciation. Great fund, great starting, gave me a lot of confidence that I was able to understand what I was investing in. Oh, I know all of these names. So look, I'll even show you. So let's look at DGRO just for a second. I promise you, you know who some of these names are in the, in the fund. So I'm giving the top 10 holdings. Do you know almost every one of those names? Or at least most of them? Yeah, almost all. So what are some of the names in there? Coke, Apple, Verizon, Microsoft, Johnson and Johnson. So companies that you'd feel very comfortable investing in. Yeah. Like I, I know they're not going to go anywhere. Correct. You know they're not going out of business. They they know what they're you know what Coca Cola does. You know what yeah. they you know what you're buying, what you're doing, you know what Johnson and Johnson does, you know what Apple does. Very known companies that are not gonna disappear overnight. That's why it's a good staple to start with and you feel really good about your investment. You're like, Oh yeah, I, I know this company's been around for a really long period of time. So that's the first one that I'd recommend because it's a really good solid thing that you're like, Oh, I know what's going on there, I know what kind of investments I'm looking at. No, that's a large cap? That's a large cap fund. So another thing we want to look at is small cap and mid cap. So if we go into the mid cap ETF, this one is IJH. And this is a blend mid cap. So if we go into here, you may or may not know all of these names. Are there, how many of these names do you know? Domino's Pizza. Um, And that's about it. So now you get into more of a diverse group that is not as well known as your large cap stocks. So this gives you some risk. It gives you a different portfolio. So in terms of risk, like these are going to be a little more risky than large cap. So it gives you some variety, gives you some exposure. And then last one we're going to go into is IJR, which is a small cap ETF. So small cap number companies... I would say you're less likely to know these as far as the holdings. All we're doing is looking at the holdings. Do you know any of these companies? No, not at all. So to be fair, I don't know all these companies, but it gets me curious that maybe I want to go learn about them. Why do they pick them? This goes into their philosophy within the fund. Again, gives you more exposure, gives you a little more risk in their in their profile. So it gives you some a balance between the large cap, the mid cap, and the large cap. And it gives you exposure into all the different groups from companies that you well known, they're paying dividends, everything's hunky-dory. Gives you, you knew one company in the mid cap, so that, that's a good thing, and what the company's doing. And then you've got small caps, a whole bunch of companies you've never heard of. Again, these are growing companies, companies that are right out of the gate that haven't proven themselves. They don't have billions and billions of dollars, hundreds of billions of dollars in market capitalization. Okay. So... We're getting a, a balance between the market, which gives us more diversification, which also reduces our risk overall. Okay. Now, if a small cap company that I invest through, through an ETF, yep. if they grow and go crazy, will I still receive the money even though it's not a small cap company anymore? 
So they would, so what would happen in that scenario, so good question, is the iShares portfolio, they would, once it surpasses a certain market capitalization, they would replace that company with a different one. But you would get the benefit from their growth while you own the entire ETF, but then the, the fund manager would say, oh, I can't use that company anymore because it's not in the strategy that I tell the investors that's what we're seeking. So they would eventually go into like a mid cap and they would, their small cap would be replaced by a different, by another small cap company. And that's how it worked. And the amount of money that I received from that company before it turned into a mid cap would just go into the replacement company? Yeah. And that's it. They would just replace it out and put it right into the overall blend. But does that help? So like those three things, a small cap, a large cap, and a mid cap are what I would call good, solid start to the fort. Okay. And giving you really good foundation where you're getting some risk and like a, a decision that you should be thinking about and make. What percentage of your fort do you want to be in large cap, mid cap, or small cap? Do you want more risk in the small cap, which is fine? Or do you want more in the large cap where you're like, I'm just getting started. I want at least maybe like 40% of my fort to be into the large cap companies. I know what I'm investing. I know what those are. But I want some time to think about those other investments too. Like you don't have to answer today. It's just something to start thinking about because I think that'll help develop you as an investor as well. So once we get that fort set up, getting into your other question is when do we start talking about other stocks? Right, we're not going to talk about it tonight because we're going to get into other topics as we go forward. But I think this is um, it's kind of a good starting point. So we've talked about in episode one is like why investing, and then we kind of started talking about like, well, then what am I looking for? Why are we diversifying? And I think we went through not only what to invest in, but actually grab some positions that should be in a basic portfolio that you should feel really good about. Because that's a, a basket of stocks I think I saw within one of the funds here. It was 479 holdings. It's a very large portion of holdings that you're like, all right, it's, it's really unlikely that I'm going to get burned by 479 companies. Very unlikely, especially the, you know, the large cap ones that you know all the brands. You're like, Coca-Cola is not going out of business tomorrow. People you know, look around. How many, how many Coca-Cola cans can you find in your house over the last year? Probably it's probably not small. Plus, Powerade, other other brands that Coca Cola owns, you're still buying those things. So are other consumers. So you kind of look at it, at least you know what you're investing in, and also investing in things that you like to drink, eat, um, use their service, or buy their products. So before we um, jump off for the night, do you have any other questions you want to hit on? I see something. So, I see. I see. I see something going on there. So how you? go ahead and diversify each small cap, mid cap is all on how you want to basically live your life um, in the near future on how you want to invest in the future. I wouldn't say live your life. It's more about what level of risk are you willing to take on? Okay. And kind of one of the things I put in the book is like, if you went to the casino, are you okay with gambling hundreds of dollars at once at the blackjack table? Or do you start out small with maybe like five, 10, $20? Depends on your level of risk. What are you comfortable with? That's different for every single person. And so I could give the exact same portfolio to 10 people. All of them might choose a different allocation on the investments because they all have a different propensity for risk. You might have one person goes, you know what? I want the riskiest stock possible. I'll put all my money on that. And you might go, 
you're an idiot <laughs> or that's not a smart idea, whatever. But that's what makes it an interesting journey for every single person along the way. Okay. Anything else? So if I want to guarantee my money, I would invest Guaran- in it's not It's not guaranteed. It's not guaranteed, but very well shared money. Then invest in a large cap. And once I get more comfortable, mid cap. And then if I want to be risky, small cap. More more risky than a large cap. Just because of the beta that reads it. What but do you mean more risky than large cap? Because like, the companies aren't as mature. So they have a higher propensity to have bigger fluctuations. So if Apple misses earnings, you might the shares might go down you know, a few percentage points. If a small cap misses earnings, their stock might get hit a lot further because they're in a consistent growth mode, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. But again, I think a starting point is grab each sector so you, or each, each different market capitalization, a large cap, a mid cap, and a small cap. Start there, and then we'll build out from the portfolio to, again, gain confidence and then start to, all right, I'm ready to take the next step. And I think that's the, that's a good starting point because, again, the, the pieces that I preach in the book and I talk about are it's a long-term journey. This isn't a get-rich-quick scheme by any stretch of the means. And let's not overcomplicate the process. Let's make it simple. Let's start off with a few ETFs we went through. Uh, let me go back, make sure I get this correct. We went through DGRO, IJR, and IJH, and they're just iShares built ETFs that mimic other indexes. That fidelity promotes okay so that's tonight's show i think um we covered a lot of ground and next week we're going to get into a little further so we're going to keep going down a deep deep industry is like now we're going to go into like what about the stocks what industries do we want to invest in and why and i think that gets more into trying to predict the future a little bit and the things that you might see as a trend if i said if i say what do you like better, Apple or no? That's probably a bad example. Let's go, what do you see as a better trend, McDonald's or Chipotle? Chipotle. There you go. So if I said, what would you rather invest with? Chipotle. Okay, so there it's really easy because you're like, I could see Chipotle doing a lot better than McDonald's. And we should talk about it. And then we look at the company, look at the fundamentals. But that's an easy way. And I even got a smile out of you. But it's like, that's an easy way of thinking about it is like, what do I think a lot of people are more geared towards? Do I think people will be more inclined with to use artificial intelligence or self-driving cars? That's starting to get there. What do you notice in your environment? What do you notice about the people? Do we notice trends and then look for the companies? And we kind of start to establish a hypothesis or a position. I'm like, I think this is going to be a big thing over the next 10 to 20 years. And then we start to go into work. So that's kind of that's kind of like my thought process. Talk about a macro. There's a lot of different variations that I go through, but again, we're gonna get there piece by piece. So we'll save that for next week. So that's it for tonight's show. Thanks, Landon, for coming on. We appreciate it. Um, this again, investing should be easy. Um, if you have any questions, comments, alex.richwagon at gmail.com. That's alex.richwagon at gmail.com. Landon, have a great rest of your night and audience as well. And we'll see you guys next time. Thanks so much. Have a good night. Bye. Alex Richwagon is an investment research analyst. 
Any of his recommendations are that of Mr. Richwagon. The information presented is the opinion of his and only his research. You should not base your investment decision based solely on his opinion. Remember, it's your money and your responsibility.